The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey gang, what's going on? Kevin Goatee, gutting the sacred cow, you know what's up. Here we are again, brand new week, brand new episode. This week we have a returning guest going after a bona fide 80s sacred cow. And that is Julia Miranda returns to go after Pretty in Pink. Ooh, all you women from the 80s are going to clutch your pearls <gasps> aghast because she is vicious. Before we get to it, thank you so much for being a fan of the show. We really, really appreciate it. For all of our new fans, please give us that five-star rating, two or three-sentence review on whatever pla- podcast platform you listen to. Like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Can't thank you enough. If you want to advertise, guttingthesacredcow at gmail.com. We love you all. Thank you so much for being a part of this voyage. And it truly means everything to us when we see those kind words roll in on our reviews or or tweets or whatever. Thank you so much. Guttingthesacredcow.com every day for those blog articles. And now, without further ado, Juliet Miranda doing Pretty in Pink. Gather round, here's what I know. If I can't break your spirit, I sure enough can break your back. No one can believe the superhuman strength of Thunderlips in the flesh, baby. Kevin Israel, name that film. Rocky Three. Bingo! And I'm wearing their shirt today too. <laughs> wow, that is a that is a throwback. <laughs> Fucking shirt. I fucking love it. And the back, on the, yeah, the back, it has them squaring off. It's awesome. It's, I wore this. I think I, I forgot. I wore this, I think, to Nicole's corporate picnic, my wife's corporate picnic. And three of her underlings were like, that shirt is fucking awesome. I go, you're goddamn right it is. Not a lot. A lot of people remember Thunderlips. So that's uh, it was the best quality. part. It's be- I know, I know. Are you kidding me? Ro- by the way, Rocky Three, the best one of them all. Fight me. I'm not invested. I'm not going in the Rocky there. Franchise. Fuck no. I have a stripper named Thunderlips, though. <laughs> Kevin Goatee, Kevin is real. We're back. Gutting the sacred cow. Here we are. We've got ourselves another returning. Gutter, give it up for the famous, infamous, I would say, Juliet Miranda from the Unwritable Rant. How are you, my dear? Hey, guys. Thanks for What's having me. What's happening? How are you? All good. You know, it's only 70 degrees or so here in New Orleans, so I guess I'm I, managing. I'm going to double down on Kevin Israel's fuck <laughs> you. <laughs> no, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, it's spectacular. A, it's a comfortable 27 here. Yeah. yeah ball, ball me. <laughs> it's the humid. It's the humidity that makes it. The yeah, it's, it's, it's oh. a dry yeah. cold. Yeah, you know you can't shovel humidity. <laughs> oh. Every day I'm, I'm like, why am I still here? Anyway, Julia, you may remember her from uh, trying to gut the 1997 classic Scream. Her husband, of course, David, the producer, two for two Goonies and Dirty Dancing in the bag but today juliet has picking has selected excuse me has picking my god i sound like i'm from new orleans has selected 
a film that has drawn the ire of white women who are 35 and above, especially one that I am married to. (laughs) She has selected the John Hughes classic, Pretty in Pink. 1986, as I had said, a budget at the time of $9 million, or nine if you're from Long Island, $40.4 $40.4 million gross. 2021 dollars, $21.6 million budget, 97.2 gross. So almost 5X plus. IMDB, as we know, is a scale one through 10 with decimal points to the lady who looks like she just saw down a major California sequoia tree. Juliet, what did Pretty and Pink get on IMDB? Oh, Lord, there are a lot of dumb people out there. So I'm going, what, 87, maybe? One through 10 with decimal points. Oh, I'm sorry. So 8.7. 8.7, yeah, sorry. 8.7, Kevin Israel. I'm going to say a seven flat. Six, eight. I was so close. Really? Ooh. To the man wearing Fred Rogers attire, that's Mr. Rogers from the JCPenney line, Kevin Israel, what did the critics get on Rotten Tomatoes' one through 100 score? Critics. 74. 74. Juliet. Yeah, I think this one was beloved by critics, so I'm going higher. I'm going like 80. Kevin Israel, get ready to enjoy two showcases. 75. Ah, I'm back. Yeah. I'm back. Audience score, Juliet. Same scale. What did Pretty and Pink get on the Rotten Tomatoes? audience score i'm sticking i'm sticking with something in the 80s <laughs> okay how about a specific 80s I, number? I don't know um 85 85 kevin israel i agree i feel like this is this is where the sh- gonna shine because audiences like this movie so i'm gonna go uh i'm gonna go 81 well let's not make it one pair of showcases let's make it two pairs of showcases 81 on the nose. Oh, my God. This is my night. cheating. (laughs) Never. Oh, how dare you? (laughs) Why? So he can have a nice Toyota Yaris to drive around? (laughs) Right. I can tell all my friends who don't understand what I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Could you imagine winning that (laughs) shitty car on The Price is Right? I would drive that right into contestants row. All over the obese women from Omaha, Nebraska, with, with the Best Buy titty tags, as Dane Cook called it. And yes. the- a, girl, a girl I was friends with in college won, went on Prices Right, won a Volkswagen Golf, but they always gave you like the base, base, base models. Of course. That like right. roll down windows and everything. And the way it works out, you end up getting it from a dealership. It was a whole thing. And she went in and she's like, I don't want that one. I'll just pay whatever extra to get the next couple models up. And she got a, like a nice, I think she got like a GTI. She paid an extra five grand or whatever. And she had to pay taxes on the golf as well. Yep. yep. I'd be like, listen, Bob, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't recognize Drew Carey. I go, Bob, you send Kevin Goatee right to the fucking Plinko board like a goddamn <laughs> adult does. <laughs> that's the only thing I am playing. Or the Yodeler game, because that shit is dope. Yodeler game's good. It's good. Quotes. Every time you go to the John, you lose IQ points. And I have to say that, Annie Potts, if you hold your P in to retain intelligence, you'll die of toxicity and kidney damage. Looks like anatomy and physiology are certainly not required required reading to work in a record store. And that's the only Ooh. quote I have for this film. Ooh, burn. Sick burn. Get ready for more of those, Juliet. <laughs> Evan Israel, how about a quote? You could say that life itself is a stupid tradition. I don't that remember the, that one. That's beautiful. That, that was the only sentence I took away, and I've already forgot the scene that it was set in. Excellent. I want to say it was her father saying it. No, nope, no, nope. it's Annie Potts saying it's was Molly it? Ringwald. Oh, you're right, because they were prom. talking about the prom. Yep, yes, you're exactly. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Juliet, I'm sure you've got a quote or two that you want to spew I venom do. toward. Yes. Excellent. I hope they shrivel up and fall off. I recall that one. Yes. It's actually said by the one and only interesting character in the movie. Yeah. Gina Gershon. No, but it said to Gina Gershon. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That was just, I forgot who that other character was. Oh, I don't want to say anything. All right. <laughs> you don't have to. Any other quotes, Juliet? 
all of them. Uh, what's it? Uh, that's not a name. That's a major appliance. That was cute and improv, but cute. Anyone else? Anyone? Okay. Five fun facts. Five fun facts. Five fun facts. The studio wanted, you're never going to guess this, Jennifer Beals to play Andy. Jennifer Beals of Flashdance fame, by the way, if you did not know that. <laughs> you by said way, Jennifer Beal and I thought Jessica Beal. <laughs> yeah. By the way, Flashdance. I didn't see that till about, I don't know, six months, a year ago. That's pretty good fucking film. Give it that a is. look. I like it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's got a strong story and yeah. good 80s dancing. And some uh, nice perky boobies, too. The director wanted... What 80s icon star to play Ducky? I'll give you a hint. The guy is yeah. synonymous in 80s family comedy films. Yeah, I know this one. It's Anthony Michael Hall. Bingo. Yep. But Molly Ringwald wanted whom to play Ducky? Do you know this one? Matthew Broderick? No. Juliet? You mean it wasn't the guy who wound up playing him? No. Oh, I'm ready no for idea. this one. How about Tony fucking Stark himself, Robert Downey Jr.? Uh, I can see that. No, actually, eh. no, no, I can't. No, I could totally see that. Totally. No. And I'll give. And I'll really. Give you, and I'll give no. you a case. And I'll give you your perfect case. And you're gonna say, you know what, Kevin Goatee? You're right. Ready? Three words. Back to school. His character in Back to School. He could easily pull that off. Yeah, I just keep picturing him from uh, Weird Science. Fair. Being the dickhead mm, popular yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. See, that's how I'm picturing him too. He seems like a little bit too much of a badass. Yeah. The person asked to play Blaine, but passed another '80s, even '90s super star. I'll give a hint. He married a smoke show, and then she turned awful. <laughs> huh. Oh well. <laughs> That could be anybody, <laughs> particularly out of the 80s. Who married Tawny Katayan? Chuck Finley, pitcher for the uh, California Angels and Indians. But that's not the answer, is no, it? No, it is not the answer. He's a pitcher. Crap. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, got a guess? No, I have no idea. Charlie Sheen. This could have been a very different movie. Very yeah. much so. Yeah, it might have actually been cool. I was going to say something, but you take that one, Juliet. Good job. The original <laughs> ending had Ducky and Andy together dancing to David Bowie's Heroes. The test audience literally booed at that ending. Ringwald said she would have been fine with that ending if Robert Downey Jr. had played Ducky. Another fun fact. Oh, bonus point. Do you, you're never going to guess this one either. Angelica Houston was eyed to play Iona, but Annie Potts got it because of Ghostbusters. Number three, Andrew McCarthy wore a wig in the final scenes because he was doing a play, got called back for reshoots, where he was playing a, sh- a soldier with a shaved head. <laughs> Number four. The ducky dance was originally supposed to be either State of Shock, which is the Mick Jagger and Michael Jackson song. No, I never heard of that fucking song either. And they also tried Start Me Up, but they could not get the rights from the Stones. Last one. John Hughes wrote this one week after finishing 16 Candles. It shows. Dude, take a vacation or go on a Coke bender for two weeks while banging Ali Sheedy. That's my advice. Mm-hmm. Is that a nail file in your hand? It is. I had to file them earlier. Oh, okay. My, it's my, pink, my one. too. That's nice. It is. Matches my thong. It is now time for Juliet Miranda, Kevin Israel, to, does, to do what she tried to do the first time. I think she's going to get it this next time. But it's now time for Juliet to gut, gut. the... Yeah. Sacred cow. Oh, I love when our guests sing along. I That's do so great. too. You're the second person to ever do it. Who was the oh. first? Wasn't it Delvin? Didn't Delvin Cox do it? Yes, he did. He did. Delvin did it. <laughs> it That's was right. so cute, wasn't it? Aww. This it was, was fuck Ebony and Ivory with Mike with uh, Stevie Wonder and Paul McCartney. <laughs> that was a moment of true racial <laughs> harmony. <laughs> 
<laughs> we'll just wait. So by the end of the show, we'll be doing afternoon delight, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. You need to pull that audio clip and like play it for something. I don't know. For giggles? I'll yeah, just send you the text file. Yeah. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> Juliet, my dear, the floor is yours. Uh, all right. So let me just come clean first in saying that once upon a time, I actually loved this movie. I was 13 at the time, and I had a unicorn on my Trapper Keeper. So that's just kind of like a little bit of background on where I was in my head. Um, today, though... I, This movie is a movie where everybody sucks. They're all just shitty, horrible people who do nothing but sit around and brood and whine and complain. And I think the person who does this the most is the character of fucking Ducky. He's not an utter dog. He's a dick. And you, you kind of figure this out in the first five minutes of the movie. You know, you see the guys walking down a hallway and the first words out of his mouth are, hey, ladies, I can see to it that you're knocked up for the holidays. How does that make him a nice guy? It doesn't. <laughs> I mean, at all. Oh, no. Hold, please. I need bourbon because I'm just disgusted by this movie. So the guy just freaks out on Andy all the time. And the second he finds out that she's got some guy that she's seeing, he has this major meltdown on her because all of a sudden, you know, his little object of his affection loves somebody else and now he's going to cry. And I get it on one level. Yes, you love this person. She doesn't love you back. But that doesn't give him any recourse to go and say, make out with her friend later on in the night or to threaten to beat up the guy that she's dating or to do any of the other horrible things that he does. So... I'm disgusted by Ducky. He's just the worst. And then following that up would be Molly Ringwald's character, Andy, who's just a pouty mean girl without any money. She's just like all the other girls in her school. She's judgmental. She's bitchy. She's cunty. And she just lays that all out on everybody that she's with from Ducky to what's his name? Blaine. Not a nice person. She goes on a date with Blaine. Doesn't even want to do anything with the guy. She's just all whiny, like, no, I don't want to go to a party. People are scary there. And no, I don't want you to take me home because I don't want you to see where I live. She has no redeeming qualities whatsoever, other than the fact that apparently she makes her own clothing, which, point number three, that is the worst dress reveal in the history of cinema. (laughs) This prom dress is so fucking ugly. Where did it come from? (laughs) My wife got so mad when she walked out. She she hadn't seen this movie. And she was like, that was all to make the dress worse? <laughs> That's it, exactly. I mean, yes, it's pink. Yay, pink. But it, it has no shape to it. It looks like a bunch of garbage bags strung together with, you know, a little bit of lace on the top. And then it falls below her knee. I don't know a single girl, at least in my high school, who wore any dress below her knee unless she was, you know, a nun. So, no, not a nice dress, not a good dress. And then everybody else in this movie, like James Spader, normally I love this guy, but he's just so smarmy in this movie. He comes off kind of like a creepy uncle and not like another guy in school. And then the most (laughs) underutilized character is uh, Harry Dean Stanton, who plays her dad. And his character just kind of exists to showcase where Ducky will ultimately end up in life, which is... (laughs) That's hilarious. (laughs) The guy has no love, uh, and he just hangs around in a dirty wife beater in a bathrobe all day long. So, yes, that's what's going to happen. But the worst part of this movie is that nobody gets any redemption in the end. You don't give a shit about the love story because you haven't actually had a chance to see anything grow. And then you see uh, Andy come out in this horrible dress and she's like, I just want to make sure they know they didn't break me. If she wanted them to know that what she should have done instead of hooking up with Blaine at the very end is hooked up with Andrew Dice Clay, brought him to prom and made out with him on the dance floor because that's what I would have done. That would have showed everybody. (laughs) Fuck this movie. Wow. (laughs) Give me a number, one to ten. A number, one to ten, on how much it sucks or how much I like it. Your your score, silly goose, (sighs) of a film, one to ten. You know, this this really hurts me because I like John Hughes. I really do. 
I thought Some Kind of Wonderful, which is what this movie was supposed to be and then ultimately became, is a great movie. I like Sixteen Candles. I even like Weird Science, but this movie sucks. I'm giving it a four. I expected a lower score than a four out of you, I got to say. It's just for John Hughes. It's just because I like him. Wow. I'm going to get in the John Hughes win-loss record later on, but I'm going to allow my co-host to go next because I went on and stole all the meat off the bone for the karate kid. And I feel bad for that. So Kevin Israel, <laughs> first of all, I'd like to kick this off with just a point. Andrew Dice Clay is in this movie. Yep. That's everything you kind of need to know about the movie. And by the way, he goes by Dice Man in the movie. That was, I don't know if that's where he established the character name. Uh, if he was already the Dice Man, this was 86, yep. right? So it was, yep. I, I, yeah, it might've been already been the Dice Man. That just that blew me away. I'd never seen this movie before. I thought I had. I was sure I'd seen this movie. Turns out I've just seen Sixteen Candles a bunch of times, and one of them I just I thought I was watching Pretty in Pink. Uh, this this movie it took an hour before I finally realized what this movie was about. Every fifteen minutes or so, I looked at my wife and I said, "I still have no idea what the point of this movie is, other than these people just interacting with each other." The the main character, Andy, Annie, whatever her name is, her day is um, is mystifies me. She wakes up and she gets her lazy father to, to try to get to work. Then she goes to school where she looks miserable the whole time, hangs out outside the school because I guess that's where the cool but like outside kids hang out. Then she goes to work at a record store, which apparently was in the mall. Then you only know that because they say it's in the mall. Then she goes to a bar where the security guard is Andrew Dice Clay and she drinks for a while and then she goes, she drives her Volkswagen, I think there was a Volkswagen Carmagia home to her dad. That, what high school kid lived like that? Who got to have that? And, and they all just let them into this bar and her best friend is somewhere between the age of 50 and 30. We were never really quite able to to figure out. No, how no, no. Old. We we do the math. No, no. I did the math because she says when she gives her the dress, she said I wore this prom dress seven because I was talking to my wife who's, who knows this film. By the way, Juliet, she loves some kind of wonderful, so she'll agree with you on that. I we did the math. She's thirty three, but she said, but she's so eighty. Because at some point she said something about I did this in the '60s. She said, "Well, when I was doing, t- I was doing too many drugs in the '60s or something." Right. Like that. So she's 33. So subtract 17 out of six, uh, 86, and it's 69. Yeah, I guess. That's her guess. senior. That's her senior prom. So yeah, I guess I. I, 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 I was wondering the same. I was like, "Oh, they, I thought they're the same age too." Until that part, I go, "Wait, what?" Okay. I assumed. I assumed she was supposed to be a couple of years older. But then when she made the '60s comment at the same time that she kissed Ducky, who's 17 right and seemed um, amazed by it here's my big issue with this movie is there's two big issues and they're and they're fatal flaws for any movie one the 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 main moral of the movie they take forever to get to it and then when they finally get to it they just beat you in the face with it over and over again it's the class issue that we've seen time and time again done much more artfully this mm-hmm. movie, all rich people have wavy blonde hair and wear white blazers and linen pants. That's what determines a rich person in Pretty in Pink. That's it. That's, and you have, a, you have a nice big house. Poor people all are apparently in punk bands. That's what poor people look like. <laughs> mm-hmm. they, and, that, and they are constantly at, at, at odds with each other. And the point that, that Juliet point, pointed out, when they go to the party, and this is, it was just, it was just so painfully done that they go to the party and she's miserable at the party because they're all rich and they're mean to her. And then she goes, well, I want to go to my place. So she goes to the weird bar that lets kids in and Ducky is mean to the rich kid and he's uncomfortable and they leave. And it's like, we get, but it wasn't even compelling. There was nothing, there was nothing like there. It was just done so badly. And the fact that Kev pointed out that this movie was written five minutes after he did 16 Candles makes so much sense because that's exactly how it feels. It felt like he finished that movie and was like, I want to do a movie that takes a look at social stratification and the effect on socioeconomic norms in high school. Wow. And literally, that's all he did. You just sound like a five-star. You just sound like a (laughs) five-star. You just sound like a (laughs) five-star critic review I'm about to read. 
But I feel like I, I, I really think that's what that that was all he had. That's all he had to go on. There's no character development in any of these characters. Ducky starts off. Ducky, who apparently is a main character, I thought in the first ten minutes that he was supposed to be her gay best friend. I was sure he was supposed to be the flamboyant, funny, gay best friend. And then when he makes the comment about impregnating the two girls, I was like, oh, he's just he's being like a funny gay guy. Like that's he's being ironic. And then it went on and I was like, oh, he's actually not the gay friend. He's in love with her, which is bananas to me. And they and they and and Juliet made a great point that he's a dick. But I don't think if you talk to John Hughes, he would have seen him as a dick. He was supposed to be this sympathetic character that right. was struggling with his feelings for Annie. And he just, he, they, they were never fulfilled. And you, you've, at times you sympathize with him and the times he's just an asshole, but you never, there's no development of all of that. And then to, 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 to put the nail in that coffin, the movie ends. And again, cause I was watching it for the first time. I was like, Oh, she ends up with Ducky. That's nice. At least that makes sense. That kind of closes this all together. And then she goes off with with flowy haired linen pant guy. And, <laughs> well, and that's that's why nothing in this movie is satisfying is because like you were saying, it's about this class struggle. And in the end, everybody winds up with the rich kid. Molly Ringwald with Blaine, yep. Ducky with the consolation hot chick at the very uh, end who finds him attractive out of nowhere. Uh, and also Annie Potts, who winds up with that guy, Terrence, because yep. she brags that he owns a pet store. So how does any of this play out like it should? By the way, because I did no research before watching this movie, when Annie Potts' character first came on, I was like, is this lady doing a bad Cindy Lauper or a bad Janine impression from Ghostbusters? And my wife looks it up and goes, that is Janine from Ghostbusters. And I was like, wow, she doesn't. That's all she's got. That is her range of acting. She doesn't even try to do a different accent because nobody else in that entire town had that accent. She, I think it was supposed to be in California where it was taking place. And she had a, like a, a Brooklyn accent or whatever that New York stereotypical accent is. And it made no sense to me. So the movie, so that, so then, the, so the two problems are that the, the theme of the movie just is awful and it starts, it takes forever to get to the point, And then they beat you in the face with it. And the second is there's no, absolutely no character development with any of these characters. Nobody evolves. Andrew, what's his name? The McCarthy. McCarthy uh, I almost said a McCartney. His, <laughs> his character has, he has no acting range whatsoever. He walks through the whole movie looking like he's kind of on the verge of crying. <laughs> and then he... And then when you finally get to the point where he's supposed to make this realization, it's almost like he's he's like, no, but I was always like this. No, you weren't. You were a dickhead. You were supposed to evolve into this nicer person who's seen something, but he didn't even see anything. It's not like he he went to her house and he saw how the other half lived and he 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 realized. No, he just wanted he, like it feels like the whole time he just wants to fuck her and he's just trying to he's trying to do it a different way than spader who by the way has the greatest hair of all time the fact that that guy went bald he must wake up every morning and just look at a picture of himself in that movie and go oh man those were the days because he had he had a labradoodle on his head that was just (laughs) fantastic and now he's a bud old bald guy it's just i think i think it's because of this movie i think he made this movie and god was like nah fuck it i'm gonna you're going bald oh and he and his character also is terrible there's just none of the characters work in this movie he's hanging out outside the the first time you meet him he's he's hanging out outside the the high school it looks like he had he pulled in just to pick up uh just to hit on what's her name and then you find out scenes later that he actually goes to that school but he's never in class he's always just hanging around wherever blaine or annie happens to be waiting to say something like and he's that one scene at the at the end where she uh or towards the end where she you know confronts blaine and gives him what for and then storms off and he's just like hanging out in the window like this and he's like i told you bro like what is who is he what is he (laughs) it's just it was the most obnoxious obnoxious scene like he was just following blaine around waiting for annie to scream at him and he was gonna get his little comeuppance in the I mean, the whole movie, the whole movie is just it's it's so much 80s, too. And I I love 80s movies and I love the 80s because it's such it's become such a cartoon time. 
like I and I've, I I always say that I'm I'm a I'm a '90s kid. Then this, but I was sort of in the '80s, so I I kind of get it. Like my sisters were living in this era, and I so I love seeing stuff in the '80s. But I feel like this wasn't like an '80s abortion. Like this was like we got it, and then he was just like, Ugh! and and it just came out wrong. And he should have he should have been like, you know what? We're gonna go back to the cutting. We're, we're gonna go back and fil- refilm this. But instead, he was like, nah, put it out. I know it's ridiculous, but people are gonna watch it and people are gonna love it. And I think people love it because of all his other movies. And they just go, yeah, this one's good too. It's it's you know, it's him and it's her, and then then it's got all the music in it and the ducky dance scene. Speaking of the music, that ducky dance scene, and that makes a lot of sense. What Kev said about the Rolling Stones now. Because he he starts dancing and singing that song like that's a song that everybody knows. And like, come on, of course, you know, this song. And he starts dancing around and nobody knows that song. Nobody's ever danced around to that song. Nobody's ever heard. I don't even know who sang that song. And he's they could they couldn't have found, found some other song dancing and sun. I'm I'm sunshine or something like pick a song that somebody knows dancing <laughs> what katrina katrina in the waves walking on sunshine walking on sunshine yeah thank come you. on don't pretend like you don't have that on your iphone i'll call you a liar to your face oh but this movie is full of so much other awful 80s yeah. synth pop i mean they had to mix it up somehow my by the way my wife loves this fucking soundtrack when when she drives i'm like she puts her phone and go oh god damn it anyway i hate 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 the music in this film hate it the, the music the music was absolutely terrible and it felt like it was almost making fun of the 80s the movie the music was so bad right the scene where she goes in with the principal and every scene just everything happens kind of abruptly and without like real reason and there's no there's no i don't know if it's transitions but she's in she's in uh she's in the the gym she gets in trouble for whatever she says and then she goes to the principal's office who i assume is the principal you just have to kind of piece this all together like by the way you you know you you only you had to piece together that they were going to a private school and she was there because she was either she was on a scholarship or something and everybody else was rich like they didn't he did nothing to give you any of this story you had to piece it all together through the first 40 minutes of the movie that was just them talking about nothing relevant with the plot it was just following these people days, these people's days, but they did nothing to establish like, oh, those are the rich kids. Like there's that scene where she looks at the house and she goes, what do you think that house is like? Mm-hmm. And they don't really show the house and they don't really establish that it's that she's looking at it because it's like a nice house. And you never you, you don't get the idea that she lives. In, I mean, she, she says it, but you don't get the idea that she lives in a, in a shithole. Like the whole point, the, the whole theme of this movie they when they finally get to it they beat you in the face with it but it took forever to make the point and the point should have been made right in the beginning point should have been made up front it should have been her like walking through dressed ridiculously which is a whole nother thing i guess she wants to be a fashion designer and she dresses like peter parker's aunt like what is who (laughs) aunt may gets a shout out on the podcast (laughs) it's great some people say there's a hero in all of us peter uh she it's terrible how she dresses and the fact that she's supposed to be designed her, her father's like, oh, it's amazing that you do this. It's amazing that you do what she dresses like a grandmother. She designs it though. Every, everything about this movie didn't make any sense. And the one thing that didn't make the most sense is the fact that all of these guys, all of these uh, apparently rich, successful, you know, or, or uh, well-to-do kids who can apparently get any anyone were all drooling over Molly Ringwald. I felt like I was left out of something because I don't think she's number one, all that attractive. She wasn't all that interesting. She didn't, there was nothing about her that made me think, oh yeah, I can see why, you know, all these guys want her so badly. And to <sighs> that point, the James Spader shows up and tries to hit on her and she shoots him down. And then that never really comes up again till the very end when Blaine says, you couldn't get her. And that drove you nuts. But there was no point where he made that realization. That was never revealed. He he never like overheard. There should have been a moment where he overheard or he saw her and tried to kiss her or something. That was never given to the audience. So you never got that moment of, aha, he got it. He just says, well, you couldn't get her. Why? Why does he know that? Why does he think that? The movie was pieced together so badly. The story never flowed the 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 moral of the story just felt like so condescending because it was just done so badly and all the characters sucked just terribly and and Juliet was absolutely right 
every character was just a piece of shit. They were all just terrible people. The, the nice guy who was the father wasn't he? He was he was just a lazy bum. Like they should have made him an alcoholic or something. Like he was just lazy. Like, wasn't was nothing, he? Wasn't he? Was, uh, was, I mean, he was drinking beers that one time, but you never got the feeling that he was. He there was. There was no actual struggle in this movie. Like she was kind of poor, but she had a cool car and she designed her own clothes and she was going to go to college. Like the, the, the rich people were rich, but they were all assholes and like whatever. And she got to hang out in a bar with a bunch of cool punk kids. So was her life all that bad? Was it so terrible? Like it wasn't. Nothing was, there were no stakes in this movie. There was absolutely nothing that made you feel for these characters or care. I think that was the biggest thing for me. I just didn't care about any of them. Literally, they all could have died in a, bl- in a fire at the end of the movie. And I would have been like, I, that would have been the satisfying ending for me. Cause this movie was just a pile of shit that was long and boring and slow. And the dialogue was ridiculous. I hated this fucking movie. And that's why I said, fuck you, Juliet, at the beginning of this, because I could have just gone the rest of my life thinking that I'd seen this movie. And I apparently never did. And now I did. And I hate it so much that whenever it comes up, I'm just going to get mad at people. So, yeah, that's my thoughts. Fuck this movie. I was going to say when you said that they could all die in a fire, wouldn't that have been a better ending if you see the house on fire with all they can't escape? And then you see you hear stuck in the middle of you, you know, the song from Reservoir Dogs where Michael Bassett cuts you off. And then and then you see Ducky doing the Ducky dance as he's shaking the gas can out like the last few drops. Holly Ringwald with one match in her hand. Yeah. What's that? I can't hear you. Fuck, I love that film. <laughs> God, I love it. Kevin Israel, give me a score. Three. You gave a lower score than our guest who hates this fucking film. You know what? Had I known about this movie, I would might have chosen it, chosen to gut it myself. That's how much I hated this movie. Do you hate this more or less than The Shining? Oh, I got him. Ooh. I think I hate it more. Wow. Yeah. No, I hate it more. I wow. do. Because The Shining, at least it, it did get to like the end of the movie, that final scene where they list the photograph is like kind of eerie and it's kind of satisfying. And if you look at The Shining without the book, which was really part of my problem, it's it's not the, a complete disaster. But this movie just sucks. And the fact that people talk about it like it's this fun teenage romp or it's this meaningful movie, it sucked. It was boring. It was never funny. It was never anything. These notes sponsored by guttingthesacredcow.com where you can get yourself a pretty sweet hoodie. We'll see if we can get ourselves a, I don't know, what else? What else could we, a Wilson volleyball? I don't know. I'm just pulling shit out of my ass. If you want to advertise with us, guttingthesacredcow at gmail.com. We are always on the lookout for sponsors. Have us help you build your brand or product. Why is Harry Dean Stanton always looking like the town drunk who begs for money at the local bus depot (laughs) in every film? Ducky has the charm of decomposing chicken and spoiled milk. He is the theater nerd who no one finds funny and is quote unquote always on. In other words, my assumption of what Josh Gad is like in real life. 100%. Dead on. I'm going to keep going. Good chance he does, Ducky does improv right after high school. And finally, <laughs> I knew that get you. And finally quits UCB because he'll never pass level two. Or he doesn't meet their quota of harassing women. Oh, he meets their quota. <laughs> That's, he's not falling uh, short in that department. <laughs> That's a, well, listen, he only harassed one. Or, never mind. You're right. I, I'll, I'll change that. Next one. Is it possible to see any pots without imagining her yelling, we got one. Nope. And I don't want to. Nope. Me neither. Hard to believe that two dudes are chasing dusty ass Molly Ringwald. She's nothing special on the eyes, nor has any attractive, interesting or personable characteristics. She's a bread sandwich doused in milk. How is the most interesting Character in the movie, Annie Potts, even though she dresses like she got a $500 gift card from Hot Topic. By far the most interesting, interesting character. Shooting the kids at the kid's eye with the staple gun is hardly child endangerment. Those staples fly a max of three feet. And that's if, if 
you wind up like Aroldis Chapman bringing the old number one. That's a fastball for you soccer fans out there. Just me shitting on soccer fans. Okay. Give him the heat. Things I brought to the club or in the bar back in the day. You ready? Keys, wallet, ID, and maybe some condoms if I was feeling lucky. You know what I didn't bring? A bag of fucking potato <laughs> chips like Ducky you did. You to say that. Thank you. <laughs> because the last thing I would, I would need is having my breath smell like barbecue chips and vodka while talking to women in hopes of betting them. Yeah, Where does that make sense? Yeah, exactly. Hold on a second. Let's make out. Cool Ranch? Yum, 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 yum. <laughs> no, that doesn't happen. Have you mean in your fraternity you weren't in charge of munchies for the parties? I was social chair. <laughs> Molly Ringwald's sunglasses look like something Max Headroom would fart out. Google that reference if you're under the age of 37. Sorry. In 1986, Ducky would be called persistent in 2021 he'd be called a sex pest me too and pepper sprayed three times a week i've never heard the term sex pest before really that's uh, no that's that's, yeah, uh, that's first time for me too i'm kind oh, of really? fascinated by it yeah i feel like i just learned something you know you failed as a parent when your kid has to wake you up to find a job I'm still dumbfounded 35 minutes into this slog that James Spader is cock blocking his friend over a Topeka, Kansas four who has the personality of the T 1000. Where is the security guard in that record store? And why is he not raping ducky with a mag light while he's singing and dancing? Ducky is right about one thing. I never met a guy named Blaine who did not have a cold fish handshake. <laughs> How many guys named Blaine have you known? I've never met anyone named Blaine. I, I know named people. Oh, Blaine, Blaine Gabbert, quarterback in the NFL, used to be a quarterback in the NFL, and Blaine, one half of the gay duo on In Living Colors, Men on Film. Oh. <laughs> Snap. Two snaps, a twist and a kiss. Hated it. Want to go home and change? I already did. That was another quote I forgot to add. Guys. Oh, yeah. that. Uh, I had that written down. Yes. yes. <laughs> Guys. And then he follows it up with, oh, she's like, we can go hang out with your friends. He's like, maybe under a rock. Yeah. <laughs> rock. And then he, yeah. and then he's like, he's like, oh boy, sorry. Like, you didn't, what do you have, Tourette's? You didn't realize. <laughs> Super was- nice guy right there. I love it. And if that was me, I just pull the list out of my pocket and just cross off butt sex after dropping that one on her. <laughs> There's no way you are rebounding from saying something like that unless the girl is pathetic as Andy is. A young Gina Gershon, ooh la la. Guess who just went to YouTube some of her scenes in Bound? Be right back in four and a half minutes, kids. And showgirls. That's the best movie. I love Bound. Bound is great. I really do. It's a good movie. Bound is so underrated. It is. She still looked like she was in her 30s in high school. Yeah, but that's the good kind of 30s. Right yeah, it there. is. The no, I know, but... Yeah. The Stiffler's mom kind of 30s. Ducky was the only one who I thought, he could be in high school. Speaking of Ducky, Annie Potts looks like she got raped and dosed after Ducky kissed her. Yeah, except then she's like, oh, did he have strong lips? Because when the duck man kissed me, my knees went weak. Yeah. Really? He's a 17-year-old kid. Yeah. And also, that's that's a great point, Kev. Thank you. It wasn't clear whether and when the kiss happened, it wasn't clear that it, whether it was supposed to be rapey or hot. I took it as rapey. I took it as double rapey. <laughs> but then she talks about it and she liked it. And it's like, she wow, that it. is that was not the way that scene was supposed to go. You know what? Guess what? This is now exhibit A in most rape cases now in courts across America. <laughs> Your Honor, look, the the standard the precedent's been set. I mean, look, she liked it after she I totally dug it. Yeah. The pots defense. Yeah, the pot's defense. It's great. When Andy did not want Andrew McCarthy taking her home, I would have asked, why not? Did your dad forget to engage the parking brake and now you can't find your house on wheels? No? All right, I'll go fuck myself. You would have been wearing a khaki blazer. <laughs> I, the slippers would not have been my forte. If Another quote I did not add, but this is why it makes this section. If I was in a Turkish prison, I'd have a good time. This is the second time I've heard a Turkish prison reference in a film, the first being Airplane. 
Was this something back in the 80s, or did it get a bad rap from a tourist who tried sneaking cocaine into Istanbul? <laughs> Turkey was very big in the 80s. I can't believe the two of you didn't go nuts with this one, as I'm about to. How dare John Hughes put the handcuffs on Andrew Dice Clay in this film? He should have had him, he should have had him rip like you banging fire crotch. Make sure you wear a flame retarded condom. Oh, Go, yeah, there you go. The smoke the cigarette. Go get the girl. Go get the girl who was in Ghostbusters. I want to have a theory with her, and then James Spader and I can cross the streams all over her face. Oh, oh. Last one. Hickory dickory dock. I would not let Molly Ringwald touch my cock. Oh. I love how the dad is still in his bathrobe at 11 p.m. when Andy gets home. He must have had a hard day smoking cools, drinking Miller High Life while watching his stories all day long. She tells her dad she's in love after the first date. I get she's a teenager, but I'll hit the fucking floor if and when my daughter says that. And then I'm going to put her in a cage like Hannibal Lecter was in Silence of the Lambs and homeschool her until she's 25. Andy's mom sounds like an A1 piece of shit. I love to see which guy from the bowling alley she pours beers at left her for Andy's dad. (laughs) Spader has balls of fucking steel, smoking cigarettes whenever it strikes his fancy. And I hear I was thinking I was a hot shit rebel when I wore a Beavis and Butthead shirt that said hell on it. I am a pussy compared to Spader. I'm going to automatically add half a point to my score for having an 80s music montage while Andy was planning her dress ideas. Again, thinking pieces with a music montage, shopping montage in the 80s with 80s music, you get a half a point from me every fucking time. Oh, all Andy had to do was put her mother's picture face down in her drawer for closure. Good. Got it. Guess who just saved thousands in therapist money? All of our audience now. You're welcome. Token black couple dancing and first black people seen in this film an hour and 30 into an hour and 38 long minute movie. Congratulations, John Hughes. This would not fly in today's climate. Luckily, you're dead. Ducky's prom outfit. Did he not look like an autistic Dracula or what? (laughs) I will give him that prom outfit, though. I knew a lot of guys in high school who would have done the exact same thing. And they just they had no well, and they were wearing like their dad's clothing too. So it was always oversized and it never quite worked on them. So I will give that a little bit of a point for authenticity, but it still sucked. Yeah, I grew up in the nineties too, and I went to my prom. Guess who was not wearing goth attire? Me. And I love the crow. Great fucking film. Next. He said, uh, Andrew McCarthy said he believed in her. Believed in her for what? What the fuck am I missing here? She exhibits zero unique characteristics except for she can't be bought. But I bet if James Spader hit her old man up with a job offer, he'd take her to Albania and auction her off with Liam Neeson's daughter in Taken. I told you I'd find you. I have a very particular set of skills. So good. Christy Swanson giving Ducky the hairy eyes to end this cow shit spectacular made me yell out, that doesn't happen. It's a great call. Oh, I yelled it out. My wife was watching with me. She was, I knew that was coming. I go, oh, you stop this now. Christy Swanson is a Vegas nine and a half with this little dildo who's trying to think he's in the the prequel to the craft. No. And you know what? You know they shoehorned that in when they were like when they did the new ending, and they're like, "Well, what, we got to do something with Ducky. What's he yeah. going to do? We Just give us some hot girl." I hated this film as a preteen. As an adult, I would love to send out a Serbian death squad to destroy every copy. As an adult, John Hughes is the epitome of hit or miss, and I'm going to go through the list. Ready, Mr. Mom? Hit. The first vacation, huge hit. 16 Candles, miss. Sounds like we're playing Battleship, right? Breakfast Club, miss. Weird Science, miss. Ferris Bueller's Day Off, huge hit. Some Kind of Wonderful, miss. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, huge hit. Uncle Buck, huge hit. Home Alone, hit. Home Alone 2, miss. Great Outdoors, hit. European Vacation, miss. 
Christmas vacation hits. Did not see she's having a baby. Curly Sue or Dennis the Menace. Oh, he did Dennis the Menace? Yeah. Holy shit. Did I mention that Ducky has the charisma of a child rapist? <laughs> Just making sure. I give this film a two and a half out of ten. Fuck this film. John Hughes bats 500 or less. He's so loved. He's so beloved. There are films I love of his. Love, love, love. And there are films I fucking hate. This weird science. Holy shit. 16 Candles. The list goes on. Two and a half out of ten. This film is fucking putrid. Critics. Thank you. As, As for both of you as well. Critics, five-star reviews. Five-star reviews. Five-star reviews by critics. Pretty in Pink lacks the originality of 16 Candles and The Breakfast Club, but Hughes infuses just enough unique elements like Molly's signature pout to churn out one of the best teen movies ever. Oh, what? <laughs> ever? If that doesn't send shivers up your butthole, how about this one? It belts along pleasantly, pleasingly enough, but this frenetic, hard-edged, hard-edged comedy drama is too hackneyed to be entirely successful. That was a left-handed one. As irresistibly sweet as cotton candy. First-timer, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. First timer Howard Deutsch is a nice surprise too. the director. His precise, unexploitative direction is sympathetic to the awkward pauses in teen talk to the Mopri of first love. Isn't Mopri exposing yourself to blind people? <laughs> Name that film. <laughs> Kevin Israel's your favorite fucking film, Ghostbusters. He got arrested for Mopri. Mopri? Yeah, exposing himself to the blind man. When, when, where is that what? In the movie? What? So, Look it up. Yep. To the suicidal bravado of words spoken in heat. Here's a lot of words that mean nothing. Hughes penetrating insight of the into the minds of 19... Oh, I, I take it back. I sorry, I'm wrong. It's not Ghostbusters. It's Revenge of the Nerds. Take it back. My fault. My fault. I was just I was googling it. Yeah. I was I'm like, wrong. I'm no wrong. Way. It's, Revenge, it's Revenge of the Nerds. I was gonna say you don't know that. I'm wrong. <laughs> Hughes' penetrating insight into the minds of the 1980s kids make this one of the best films to bear his name. Penetrating insight? To what? To boring, dusty, fucking poor girl who does nothing to invoke any kind of emotion or reaction out of anybody? Oh. You know what? There are movies that I don't like that I I can say. I guess I can see. You know, Napoleon Dynamite's one. I hated that movie. Kev hated that movie. But I get that there's some people that maybe that just strikes something with. I don't, I don't know, but I, I can see it. This I don't know how anybody watches this movie and, and finds something redeeming or enjoyable out of it. There's there's nothing. I, I, I just don't get it. I wrote also, I forgot to add this, beside this film reeking of this doesn't happen, the jokes are harder to find in this film than Crystal Pepsi is now. <laughs> A nice 80s reference for everybody. Ew. Solid crit. Thank you. Gozer's not happy. I guess he heard his name in vain. <laughs> yeah, he was he was really pissed at you for pulling a, a faux Ghostbusters. I know. Is it perhaps too much to ask that a John Hughes film bear the standard for class warfare in the 1980s, especially when the film was so tone deaf in depicting its subcultures milieu? Oh, that's <laughs> milieu. <laughs> Excuse me. Right up there with Zeitgeist. Yeah. It's more pretentious than this movie is. Is your salmon farm raised or what is it? What's farm raised? What's the thing they say? Or or wild raised in the wild or farm raised? Wild caught. Wild caught. I was going to say wild caught, but I didn't think that was right. Wild caught. That's that same asshole who does that and then pretends to dump out his pipe in between his third and fourth brandy. (laughs) Critics, one star reviews. Critics one star reviews. Critics one star reviews. <laughs> Neither author Hughes nor director Howard Deutsch can stop the needle getting stuck into an all familiar groove. 
agree. As a Gen X member, I will be flogged for saying so, but this movie sucked. <laughs> that was a critic? Yeah. Good for him. Unfortunately, she gets straight-jacketed in her current movie by a script that settles for black-and-white pronouncements instead of the delicate shades of gray that Ringwald employs. Oh, is she Meisner or Stanislavski train, guys? I couldn't tell. That's giving her way too much credit. Oh, what's what's next? Is is fucking Stiffer up for an, an Academy Award? Are we going to throw that out there as well? <laughs> Which I would not be opposed to because American Pie 1 and 2, perfect. Someday I would like to discuss the evolution of Stifler in those movies, but that's for another time. By, by the third like a college course I would have taken in school. The, the evolution thir- of Stifler. As much as I learned the de-evolution of Stifler, because in the yeah. third one, American Wedding was fucking cringy. Awful. He just becomes, he goes from being like a jockey asshole to retarded. To a cartoon, like, yeah. Yeah, like yeah. in the in the third one, he's just an idiot. Like yeah. he wasn't, he was an asshole in the first one. And goofy. And then and they do. What's that? And the second one. Yeah, right. He was he was that asshole friend that everybody likes for some reason. And then he, in the end, he was like the special needs kid. It was yeah. completely anyway. Go on. And he, and he learned life lessons in the third and fourth film. Right. right. Only for you. Last one, and this one is a hilarious one. I wouldn't want to be there when Ducky finally detonates. <laughs> <laughs> what is he gonna put? Uh, on that's su- good. What is he gonna put on a suicide oh. vest and yell Allah Akbar yeah. and then go yeah. to yeah yeah no he's. <laughs> Columbine. Yeah, full. He's going school shooter. <laughs> Amazon five star reviews. Five star reviews. Amazon five star reviews. This is my absolute favorite. Mo- oh, sorry. This is one of my absolute favorite movies of all time. I grew up watching this with yes, my daddy. He passed away recently, so I love watching this and remembering the time spent with him. Not to mention, it's just another great 80s movie. And who doesn't love Molly Ringwald? I watch it with my 17 cats. Ew, show me on the doll where he touched you. That just sounds gross. Especially his dead hand where it touches you now. (laughs) I was a teenager in the 80s, and like most many kids of the era, love this movie. It most definitely is a classic 80s movie. In any case, I let my own kids watch it. And they both thought the hair and clothes style were old and funky. Does that make me old and funky? I sure hope not, because those were the, some of the best years of my life. And that 80s music, when that what music was music, and not noise like it is today. In any case, in any case. Get off my fucking lawn. Was that the right. punchline there? Because, ugh. Right. In any I'm case, a girl... Then- I'm a girl of the 80s. How can I not like this? There's so much that resonates here. The soundtrack, the clothes, Annie Potts. I've always been on the fence with the ending, but I accept it. <laughs> Last one of this one. Basic synopsis. Girl falls into a love triangle when a rich boy takes note of her, takes note of her, vying with her life, lifelong friend for her affections. I never liked that theme. It's medieval. And I get a flashback back to Camelot when Guinevere was singing about the knights spilling their blood for her. It's very creepy, gentlemen. Women who like men brawling over her has serious issues and a need for a profound psychological assistance. Don't hate on the Amazon review reviewers. You know it's true. It wasn't really a love triangle anyway. She didn't want him. Right. It was so like what? a love line. It was like a line. <laughs> well, this person just may, might have come back from eating dinner at medieval times. What about you guys? You think the same? <laughs> Forsooth. <laughs> Amazon one star reviews. Amazon one star reviews. I figured I would give this movie a shot since it was free on Prime and it kept <laughs> I knew that was going to get you and it kept coming up on my list to watch so I watched it and I don't ever want to see this overrated movie ever again I would be ecstatic if this preppy cringe fest never appears on my Prime feed ever again by the way preppy cringe fest sounds like something AC Slater would tell would say that Zach Morris's home porno movie collection looks like <laughs> What an awful movie. Not only is it boring, but it glamorizes Ducky's stalker behavior as sweet and Blaine's blatant manipulation as romantic. I want my hour and a half back. 
a dated preteen flick. The entire movie, I just could not suspend this belief because Molly Ringwald isn't pretty at all, and her personality is also lacking, yet all the guys in school want her. She dresses like an 80-year-old grandma, and her perm grandma haircut is just appalling. She is a weird mixture of humorless, moody, insecure, pushy, and shy. Her best friend is a stalker creep. Let's just call him sexual harassment nerd as he comes on the two high school teens that he doesn't know by saying he will impregnate them both. Easily the low point of the whole movie. I assume this was meant to be comedy. I'm sure Harvey Weinstein would think this is hilarious. Her Her jerk boyfriend isn't really sure if he likes her or not and blows her off. Never a good sign for relationships. I love James Spader and Andrew McCarthy. This movie made me like them less somehow. That review made me like the movie more. <laughs> Is that possible? Okay. I just hate that person so much. I know, you hate the reviewer so much. It's like, <laughs> I like, no, I, no, I, I, wait, I love that reviewer. That reviewer hit every fucking note on the, on, to a T. Is that my spirit animal calling? Okay. I grew up in the 1980s, and I did not know about Molly Ringwald until recently, so I went and got Pretty in Pink, and let me tell you, it was pretty lame. Molly plays a nobody named Andy who dresses up in old lady's clothes. Her old mother, her mother walked out on her and her father three years ago, and so Andy's decided to change her role from being a daughter to a substitute wife. Her dad is a loser who's too lazy to get a job, and every morning, Andy wakes him, serves him breakfast, and nags him about having to find a job nagging to put food in their fucking table, right? That's a horrible thing to do. Okay. Uh, anyway, she screwed up. She has a screwed up friend named Ducky who is more annoying than funny and is in love with Andy. But Andy is in love with this rich guy at school named Blaine who isn't even hot. Basically, the movie is about poor Andy in love with rich Blaine. The acting was okay, but the story was boring and unbelievable. Molly's wardrobe was horrendous, and that prom dress she wore at the end should have been ripped off her and burned. It was that awful. Signed, Lindsay Lohan. (laughs) (laughs) Kevin Israel, did Juliet Miranda gut the sacred cow? You know, Juliet, (laughs) I I know your performance on your last appearance was not, the result was not what you had hoped for. But this time, you came back. With a katana in each hand. <gasps> and you you did one of these to the head. Oh, the, oh. the, the scissors move. Yeah, Tell me it was Ducky's head. Oh, it was, it was Ducky's head in the cow's mouth. Yes, you, you got this piece of shit, and I'm so happy you did. Because everybody needs to know. I want everybody to listen to this podcast now, not because I want to get famous and successful and just do this for the rest of my life. We're going we're, we're to we're cut that right out of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> because I want, I don't want anybody to ever watch this movie again. And I need them. I need, I need the people to wake up from the, the trance they're in about this. So good job. Kudos to you. Uh, yes. Thank you. I, I will co-sign in that gutting, but yeah, I, I will say this one, this was like, you had a man on third base with no outs. This was not going to take hard work to get that runner home here. This film stunk, but on your own merits, you did do the job. So let's give credit where credit is due. So well done, Juliet. You can now tell your husband that, hey, guess what? I'm also a gutter in this bed. Let's make <laughs> You know, speaking of, he was so annoyed that I had to watch this movie and that I subjected him to it. And he wanted me to tell y'all that he thought I should call Molly Ringwald Molly Ringworm because all she does is fester on screen. Ooh, sick burn. He did did tag us on Facebook. I said, well, I'm pretty sure that this is payback for making you watch The Goonies and Dirty Dancing. (laughs) (laughs) I did take a little bit of delight in this. Uh, I would watch the Goonies five days a week to not have to watch this again. Oh, a hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah. Dirty, da- Dirty dancing two days out of that week. Yeah. <laughs> Juliet, where can the good folks find you and what are you up to? Ah, well, I host the Unwritable Rant podcast and I do the Bourbon Soaked Live show on YouTube. So if you want to hear any of that nonsense, just go to my website. It's theunwritablerant.com. Kevin Israel, how about yourself? What are you up to? Oh, well, thank you. KevinIsrael.com. Comedy's sort of coming back, maybe. I don't know. It could. It might not. Check my website. (laughs) I get my album, The Struggle is Real, on iTunes and everywhere else that you get audio. And keep supporting us. Give us a review. I'm going to do Kevin's job right now. Go on. (laughs) 
Go on whatever your podcast platform of choice is and write a review. Just a couple of sentences saying that we're funny guys. That's all it takes. It helps us. There's these fucking algorithms out there. You people probably don't know about this. And they and what the algorithms like to do is they like to bend over hardworking, really talented podcasters and just fuck them right in the ass. That's what the algorithms do. And the only way we can beat the algorithms is with your support. So please give us a five star review, write a review and and just contribute that's all we ask we'll keep we'll keep making you laugh we'll keep bringing on wonderful guests like Juliet and tearing apart movies and you just have to spend three minutes of the day doing a little bit of work for us yeah and we also accept tips at Kevin Goatee on Venmo don't be shy this shit doesn't pay for itself <laughs> leave a tip it's also on the YouTube page we stole a page out of your page out of your playbook Juliet uh I can't <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do mine through PayPal. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that too. Venmo, PayPal at Kevin Goatee. We'll, we'll, it'll it'll help. KevinGoatee.com at GTSC Podcast. GuttingTheSacredCow.com every day, as we all know, has reviews, our list of 10, the movies we've seen. And of course, that doesn't happen. Our brand new segment where we watch something that they try and pass off as regular occurrences in movies, but it just doesn't happen in real life. So GuttingTheSacredCow.com every day. And that's that, guys. We had a blast with you yet again, Juliet. You're always a delight oh, as your husband. As always. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. I had a blast. I, I really appreciate you having me on again. I mean, I had to do it again since David did it twice, and we have to be even in everything we do. Of course. So. Of course. Equity. That's going to do it from us at Gutting the Sacred Cow. Have a good one, folks. Take care. See you later. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.